said. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. We are so blessed to, to be with you. Yeah, seriously. We're so blessed. You know, uh, someone sent me a little note this morning, text before service, and uh, I'm always a little bit leery of opening those, but you know, it was good. Let me just uh, share something with what was there. Middle school, you're heading out of here if you're in the room. And those that are leading. Yes, skedaddle. You know what that word is? My grandma used to say that. That means to get out. All right, anyway, uh, so let me, let me tell you what that said. It was like uh, a lady went up to the pastor, and, and I don't normally like do like jokes, you know, but this is, someone sent this to me, so just wanted to share it with you because it would enlighten your life, all right? So she's, she comes to the pastor and says, that was an amazing message. And he said, oh, that wasn't me. It was the Lord. She said, oh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> yes, so <laughs> yeah, keep you in your place, right? Thank you, everybody, for all you do. God is so good, and we have just, seriously, it's so cool to, to watch all of y'all do what God's asked you to do, and uh, not only in their, um, just outside of the church, what's happening out there, what you're doing inside the church, and your love for him and for his people, it's pretty awesome. Uh, walk in the lobby, it's pretty like incredible to see the transformation that's happened there, the different things that are going on around in the church, the floor that's in here. Some of the lights, we still got a lot more to go and we got to work on some things still. As you know, we're transforming and changing as we move along. There's more stuff coming. Um, and I'm grateful for all that God is doing and I'm excited about what he's all about. So church, um, you know, being, uh, let me just say it this way. There's a lot of uh, Christian periodicals and writings and things that, you know, like take the pulse of our nation and watching things, and it's all pretty depressing news. If you want to just, like, it's not just out there on the other news channels. You can look at the Christian information that's out there, and it can be depressing, too, because everything says that the church in the United States is declining. And I'm talking about the Christian church, and uh, statistically, it's true. There are less people going to church today than, you know, any time in our history. Um, the impact of Christianity in our culture is obviously not being seen. There is a conflict that's happening that's real out there that is in opposition to all that God stands for. And so, you know, you can say, well, that's pretty discouraging and frustrating and all that kind of stuff, but I want you to know that God is on the move. I don't care what those statistics say. I really don't. They, don't. they don't scare God. He's not like, what am I going to do about my church? He loves his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He already told us that. So yeah, it doesn't even matter. So here's the thing. As I talk about that, I want you to know God is on the move. And one of the problems that we had as a church and the way that we have uh, created followers of Christ in our past decades is telling everybody to get dressed up and go to church on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And so what we forgot to tell them is every day is the Lord's Day, and you can't dress up and hide who you are. And so we need people to come and understand that they need transformation and that God's the one that does that. So even though there's less maybe people going to church, I believe that that is God moving people out of the seats that are just in a seat and calling people into transformation. And that is how a move of God will and does take place. It's not because people go to church. It's because people are obedient to the Holy Spirit in their life. People recognize that they have no control over their life and that we need God. And the only way that you and I will ever make it is through Him. And so once that settles in upon us and we recognize that it's not in our own power and ability, the better off we are. So I say, I don't care. Just keep letting those numbers decline, but let the Spirit of God grow and let the hearts of the people be transformed, whoever it is that God is calling to be the nucleus and the core of the move of God. Because God called 12 people and one of them listened to the devil, but the other 11 stayed true. And then God adopted into that family of disciples, the apostle Paul and the entire world and all of history was changed forever. So I am not intimidated by the number of or the lack thereof of people in any service. Just so you know, God told me many years ago, I want you to go in and preach to the four people that are there like you were preaching to a stadium full of people. 
Why would you preach any different to the four than you would the thousand? It's the same message. It's the same God. It's the same people that need to hear it. So therefore, we're going to look at what God has to say to us. And the, the advantage of having less people in the church, you know it's for you. <laughs> All right, so own it. You ready to own it? God's good, man. I want you to know he is on the move. And if you were here on Friday night in our one church worship, which we do quarterly, um, you know, you know. I mean, I just want you to know I had an amazing time with God. And we had someone that shared with us that I'm not free to speak in the internet about, but she is a, a woman of God. Her husband is in another country and they're working for the kingdom of heaven in places where it's not legal to. And so that's why I'm going to limit what I say, but I'm going to say something about this because we shut down our online. If you were watching Friday or if you go back and watch it, you won't see this because we had to shut the internet off because it's against the law for those people to share Jesus and have people transform their lives and follow Christ. But God is doing it anyway. You know, he never does follow those kind of laws or those kind of rules. He's God, man. And so he's all about transformation of lives. And so while we were watching, we had a little video to show people being baptized, people praying together in a culture that's not like that. And we watched people as they worshiped God, studying the Bible, gathering together. I thought it was pretty cool. And, and you know, as you look in different cultures, how when they gathered for church, the women were on the one side of the church, the men were on the other side, just like in the Bible, for real, it was like that. I thought it was pretty fascinating to see that. But they were celebrating and worshiping Jesus Christ as their God. And so as I watched that, and I saw those people, it was pretty awesome to watch because they were just like us. They just don't look like us. But I saw something as I was watching that happen. And I saw some people that were like jumping around with their hands up. Yeah. I saw some people that were just standing there singing. Saw people with their eyes open. I saw people with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. I saw kids dancing around and running around in the front of the church. I watched it all happen, and I'm like, God, it's you. <laughs> You're doing that, just like he does it here. It's the same God. We were just singing about him. He's the same God, the very same God that met with Moses on the mountain, the very same God that stirred the heart of David and said, go take that dude out. You know what I mean? It's that same God. And that's the same God that's meeting with me and you in this room. And he's the same God that lives in our heart if we're a follower of Jesus Christ. And the fact that he loves us enough that God's not so busy with the universe and the problems of the world that he won't come right in this room right now and say, here I am. <sighs> Talk about something that should like make us step back for a second in awe of God. He's amazing. My... Uh, my second oldest brother, um, his marriage fell apart years ago. His wife left, and he was, had his youngest son at home, and he stayed with him. And that little guy used to come and spend a lot of time with my wife and I at our home and different stuff. And the special place in my heart for him, we've, uh, you know, keep in contact. He lives in Tennessee. He's faithfully serving Jesus today, and I'm like so awesome. I'm excited to see what God's doing in my extended family as he is calling them and they're saying yes to Jesus and God's moving and Jason's been serving the Lord for quite a while and uh, he texted yesterday. We do periodically in uh, church. I want to say this to you as a challenge and as an encouragement and as just like a step back. God, you're all awesome. Like he says to me uh, in the text, he goes, please pray for Joseph tomorrow. I've been inviting this guy and talking to him about Jesus for the last six years. He's 75 years old, the guy that he's talking to. Jason's one of my youngest nephews, by the way, just to so get a little picture there. He's in his 20s, and he's ministering to a guy that's 75. So don't let age brackets categorize who you reach out to. That guy's a former Muslim, and he's been talking to him about Jesus and inviting him to church, and today... He said, last, yesterday he said he would go with them, and just before our church started in the first service, he sent me a text, 
and he's sitting in the driver's seat, and he gave us a little selfie. I said, hey, let us know. We're praying for you, and he sent me a picture, and Joseph was sitting right in the seat next to him in his vehicle, and his wife and kid, that's Jason's wife and child, were in the back seat, and they were all together going to church. God's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, 75 years old, former Muslim, not practicing his Muslim faith right now, thank God. It's a lie, and it's of the devil, just so you know, just to be real clear with everybody. There is only one faith, one baptism, one God, one Savior of the world. There's not many roads to heaven. There's one that only goes through the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty grave. I want to be very clear with that. We're not on our own journey. There's only one journey. God's calling. Okay, and I love that God is calling. You see what I'm saying is God's on the move. He's doing stuff. Over there in that other country as we watched it happening, Right over there in Tennessee with just one older man. Not old, he's 75, I'm getting there. He's not old. But you know how patient God, is that awesome or what? Like, just like, come on, I want you to know the truth and invite him into his house so that he can hear the truth. I just want you to know God's amazing and he's doing something. Don't be discouraged. Six years he said he's been talking to him about Jesus and inviting him to church. How about you? How's your stamina? How's your resilience in sharing the faith of Jesus Christ? And are you holding true? Come on, man. Let's be faithful and just watch what God's doing. He's never in a hurry. Things don't always develop overnight the way we want them to. God's doing something. I'd rather have God do it than me any day because whatever I build is just going to collapse. God's word tells us that. What God does will stand. What I do will fall. So how about if we just do what God's asking us to do and let God bring about the results he wants to bring about? And then we'll all be better off, right? Amen. He's good. God is amazing. So as we go forward, I want to share something with you uh, from the word of God as we recognize this amazing, amazing God that we are called to serve. First off, no matter what looks like around us, whatever's happening, God is on the move. You may see the the dark cloud. You may see the evil that is present and becoming more real in our world, in our culture, in our nation. It doesn't change who God is. And it does not mean that God is not on the move. We in our culture in the United States of America have been um, spiritually stagnated by our intellect. We have always banked on our intelligence and how we know things and figure things out, you know, creating the industrial revolution that swept the world, all the stuff in the computer world and all the stuff that's happening, all intellectual smarts, and we think we got it all together and we're going forward. And so as a result of that, we have overemphasized the intellect. I'm not saying we should be dumb, but we've underemphasized the spiritual, And in our culture, we've not really acknowledged any spirit world at all. As a matter of fact, if someone says that, you know, the devil made me do it or something, and I'm talking about literal people that have done horrible things, they just think they're crazy. We have a lot of people that the world in our nation, I should say, in our courts have have, uh, assigned that they are, uh, they give them a psychological term, but the reality is they're possessed by demons but our world doesn't want to acknowledge that, so we just put another name on it. We tell them they're schizophrenic, and I'm not saying everybody that's schizophrenic is possessed by a devil. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have classified things that are actually spiritually happening around us somehow into an intellectual context, and therefore we ignore the spiritual things that are actually present and real because we can't acknowledge them, and we don't want to. But... If you look around the world and if you have any kind of knowledge of other cultures, very prominent in the third world countries, they totally embrace the spirit world. Not to their good most of the time, but they acknowledge that spirits are real and they deal with them and they have conversations with them and they have meetings with them. And that's how the deceiver, the devil, the lying thing that he is, deceives people into believing in things that are not real. The false light that God says that he brings. Well, church, as we look at our nation and the world that is happening around us and the fact that we've rejected God in our nation, the spirit of darkness has been given more authority because 
the people of this nation, by and large, have given it to him. Because we've told God we don't need him, and he's not real, and he doesn't exist, and we are no longer a God-fearing nation at all. Therefore, the spirit of darkness is more free to be who he is. So I'm letting you know, you can look around you, but the spirit world is going to become more present and prevalent in our nation in the coming years ahead. You can just look around you. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. It's happening, and it's going to happen. But I don't care. Because we've ignored it doesn't mean it didn't exist in the first place. And it's been working just incognito. It's going to just become more real and more available and more seen in the coming days ahead. But that doesn't mean that, we, that God's weaker or God's lost anything. He's still God. And church, we as a people should be way more aware of everything that's going on around us than anyone else in the whole entire world. For we have the Spirit of God. And God gives us discernment. And he gives us the ability to see things that are, that are not. Hope you followed that. Because God is God. And nothing has caught him off guard. And he's not surprised. And he's not like, what is he going to do about the situations that are coming? We need to remember that no matter what we see or hear, God is still God and God is on the move and he's alive and well. Church, he is doing something and I'm excited about it. I want this to happen. I hope you don't misunderstand what I just said. An awakening needs to happen. And we can't just stay in a coma or some spiritual limbo world. We need an awakening, man. We need a startling realization that I am not in control. God's amazing. And he is moving. And he is doing stuff. And he's continually calling for his people to repent and follow his lead. He wants us to come to him. Because God is God and he's in control and he is doing stuff, church, and we've got to see what's happening. Listen, here's what God's word says. Now you're going to think, what in the world, where are we going here? Listen, just stay with me, all right? You ready? John 13, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Man, we should probably like highlight that in our little Bible of our mind. And that he had come from God and returned to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. That's all I'm going to read right now, church. Beautiful story, beautiful illustration of servant-heartedness of Christ and what he's called us to, but we're pausing right there because God wants to say something to us today. And what we're going to look at is what you may not understand now but you will. <laughs> See, we know God's up to something. And a lot of times when God's up to something, we are like Peter, and we're like, wait a minute, Lord, what are you going to do? Oh, no, 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 not that. <laughs> and what God's asking us to do is just surrender and let him be God. Let him be God in that moment. Let him be God in your life. Let him do his God thing no matter how uncomfortable we are. You may not understand it now. You will. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've been asking God to just let me know what's up. And he says, you will. But I want it now. I'm just like you. We're like this together. We're like God. If you would just like show us in detail. He's like, I've already showed you in the word. Yeah, but God, there's a lot of holes in that. If you would just fill in those blanks and just give me the picture, that'd be amazing. He says, I will. You know when we always see the clear picture? Looking back. It's so clear then. When we look forward, it's like this fog. Like we had in the 915 service. Like just like this fog. 
when I'm looking, but it was awesome. <laughs> but you know, like when I look back, there's clarity. And I'm like, oh, I see what you were doing, God. See, this is what he's telling Peter. He's like, you may not get it right now, but you will. Just hold tight. Sit there, boy. Stop talking. Stop telling me what to do and not do. And let me do what I'm going to do. Good enough right there, right? Yeah. I'm not stopping preaching, but that would be a really good place to stop. But God's not done yet. So I just want us to stop and sit right where we are right now and let God do what God wants to do right now. Right now. Did we just sing that? All right, so let's see what he's going to do. So the thing is, is that when God's doing God's stuff, it doesn't always look like God's stuff. I mean, how is washing someone's feet God's stuff? You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make sense. We're... The disciples' minds were, we're going to throw over the Romans, and we're going to become world leaders and all that kind of stuff. And like, what does washing my feet have to do with anything? And you're not doing that because I don't want you to do that because that makes me uncomfortable. But God's doing God's stuff all the time, no matter what it looks like, feels like, or our experiences in the moment. He's doing it. So here we are. We're sitting here, and we're looking at the moment, and we are limited by the moment. So when I was talking about last week, I was talking about how we come up to those walls and they're there and they're real and then we try and figure things out and try and escape this moment and all that. But God's doing something and he wants us there no matter how we got there. God has no limits, church. God has no limits. And this is why we are called to live by faith in this moment of our life. Trust him fully and know that he will do only what he can do in every situation of our life. So let's listen to the lyrics of Psalm 46. Now the Psalms, if you know them, are prayers or songs or uh, recitals of things that the uh, Israelites, the Hebrew people, used in their worship to God, prayers, individual people and stuff. And so they're there for us to experience God through. It's like a... Um, it's a worship setting book. And this one here in Psalm 46 is a song that God's people sang with the Holy Spirit anointing the author to write. Listen to what it says to us, church, in Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. Isn't he awesome? So a refuge. We have wildlife refuges here in our country. We have bird refuges. We have all those kinds of things throughout our nation where people in authority have said, you know what, we need to preserve this because if we just let everybody do whatever they want, they're going to screw it up. So we have those places so that those of us that are living in the screwed up part can escape to the natural part, right? Okay, that's a refuge. So now think of what God's saying. The Word of God says God is our refuge. We escape the screwed upness of the world by going to him. It's like he's got these boundaries where there's different rules, where he's in authority and he's in power, where we go to this place to be with him. Church is one of those refuges where we come to be with God and escape the things of the world. Well, I want you to see that it's not just in a building this happens. The Word of God says God is our refuge. We go to Him, man, and He is our protector. He's got me and you right there, and He's like, hey, it's a time for you to escape the things that are out there and be with me. And it doesn't just say that He's our refuge. He says He's our strength. I've been worn out. I've gotten myself in places where I am physically and emotionally spent. And I said, I've gotten myself there because God never leads us to those places. Life demands things of us. There's no question about that. But I can get myself in places that I was never intended to be. And when I find myself there, I'm wasted. And you know, when we're wasted like that, we're very vulnerable. And God says, look, I am your refuge and strength and I'm ready for you. You need to come to me in your times of trouble. So when I start to see those things, feel those things, experience those challenges of life, God's like, you need to come and retreat to me. You need to be with me because your strength can't handle it. But 
but I can. And God says to us, when you come to me as your refuge, I am your strength. And that doesn't mean we have to physically leave someplace, right? He is always present. Listen to what he tells us as we continue reading in this amazing, amazing lyric right here. Listen, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Church, God's our refuge and strength. We don't have to be afraid no matter what kind of chaos is going on around us, no matter what crisis is in our life, no matter if the earth is trembling underneath our feet. We don't have to be afraid. God is our strength. And if we're following his lead, he knows where we are. And we're okay. Even if it's the thing that's going to get us out of this world. He's it. He's there. He's got us. And so as I look in the word of God, he's like, there's this incredible invitation for you and I to engage him in faith, knowing that he's there with us, that he knows where we are, that we've not been forsaken. And whether you and I put ourselves there or the spirit of God led us there, he's the same God. So wherever we are, God's going to use that moment, that earthquake, that issue, that turbulent sea to call us to trust him. (laughs) He's so good. (laughs) Oh, God, you are so amazing that you are a refuge and strength and everything that's happening. He said, do not fear. We're not alone. You've not been abandoned. Whatever situation you're finding yourself in, throughout the Bible, we are shown how God allows his people to go through stuff. But there's always purpose and reasoning behind it. And it's a place where people need to acknowledge who he is and that he's in control and that they need to surrender their life to him. It's always there throughout scripture. Listen to Isaiah 43 as we read the word of God. Do not be afraid. This is God speaking through the prophet, church. Please hear it. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. (laughs) I have called you by name. You are mine. Aren't you glad? Man, God said, hey, Dave, come here. You're my boy. If that doesn't blow your mind, nothing will. The fact that God called you by name, and he said, I own you. You're my kid. Thank God, man. He's awesome. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hallelujah, man. Yeah. Thank you, God. Is he awesome or what? He he doesn't pull us out of the world or the world's issues. He says, I'll be with you now. You don't face them on your own. The world doesn't have a hope because they don't have a God to be with them through it all. They're just dealing with it. And that's why they're miserable. That's why they're hopeless. See, they're missing something that you and I have. But he tells us that you're going to go through it still. Did you hear what he said? Your mind. Nothing has changed in the fact of our relationship with him because we go through water, because we go through fire, because the earth is quaking beneath our feet. That doesn't have anything to do with my relationship with him. That stuff happens. We live in a world that has been contaminated by sin. And as a result of the contamination of sin, earthquakes happen. Raging seas happen. Stuff happens, church. And so as we look at that, it's like, wow, he's with us and we're going to go through it. He said, I'm right there. So I said this in the last service and it's not in my notes. It just came to my mind as we were doing this. Maybe if you're going through some waters and the waters keep rising and they've gotten above your mouth, it might be that God's telling you to stop talking. Because if you think about it, when the water's here, What's available? You can still breathe here and you can still hear here. You just can't talk. So maybe 
you're going through some deep waters because he's finally trying to shut your mouth. And maybe you can listen for a second. I'll be with you. And we're flailing away and trying to make a way. And he's like, you're going to go through it. I'm with you. Here I am. I'm God. So, you know, as God leads us through stuff, this is why he tells us in the word of God over and over again. You know this, right? Don't be afraid. You know how many times it says that in the Bible? I don't have the number. It says it a lot. <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, Jesus himself shows up and they're like, <gasps> and he's like, don't be afraid. Like it's our first reaction to everything that's crazy in our life, in our world. It's fear. And he's like, don't do that. God says, don't be afraid. I've got you. See, it's faith. It's knowing that there he is. He's God and he's got me in the situation and he's firmly grabbed me and I'm not going to be moved until he moves me. All right, let's look in the word of God again. See, the call is for us to stand in faith and not fear. Mark chapter four. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowns behind them, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're down, going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, that should rock your word a little bit, right? I mean, it's like so cool. I love this. And I love the fact that Jesus was just sleeping. He didn't want to worry at all. I mean, he was in the storm too. The waves were still coming in the boat. He just was sleeping there. He's just like, yeah, it's all good. I'm good. Why? Because he knew that he was destined on his journey to fulfill the purpose of God. Are you and I the same way? Can't we sleep in the storm? I mean, my wife says I can sleep through anything, so I think I'm prepared, right? You know, how many times she's woke me up. Did you hear that? I'm like, if I heard that, I'd be awake. I'm not awake. No, I didn't hear a thing. Well, listen, I don't hear nothing. Well, it already happened. All right, so here we are. Let's talk about Jesus here. <laughs> she's like, wake up. Don't you care? Yeah, I care. Same thing I say to her. Don't you have faith? <laughs> I'm going to go check and see if the kids are breathing. I'm like, I'd rather not know till morning. I literally said that to her. I'm like, well, what are you going to do if they're not? I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, for real, like, why would you go check and see if they're breathing? I'd rather deal with that after I woke up. <laughs> I would. I'm just being honest. Do you trust God or what? <laughs> Put my hand over there and see. Okay, all good now. You didn't change anything, church. Does God have you? Does he? Does he have your family? Does he have your kids? Does he have everything? Do you trust him? I just want you to know, I wasn't like being overly spiritual to my wife. When I just woke up in the middle of the night, I'm very not spiritual. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> just so you know I want to make sure I clarify that it was like some halo moment no it wasn't alright uh, <laughs> okay so when we're facing an immediate challenge our first reaction is often fear rather than faith and this seems to be the normal response right I mean it really is it's like what am I going to do that's our first response and Jesus is challenging us to stop reacting in our flesh I mean we're still flesh don't misunderstand me but he's saying, like, hey, hey, guys, why are you processing this way? Like, why are you, like, letting that affect you and where you're going? Do you not have faith? Does God not have a plan? Is he not going to carry you through? <laughs> see, we are flesh, and therefore we see things in our flesh. But church, the word of God warns us and tells us over and over again that we're going to go through crisis. We're going to go through health issues. And one day we're going to die. God's word says that to us. Okay, and so, uh, yeah, I want to be, I didn't, I want to say this the right way. 
as we get older, death becomes more real and it's letting you know you're coming to an end by the different things that don't work anymore. <laughs> and a lot of Christians, they're like, you know, would you pray for me? This needs to get fixed. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'll pray for you, but you do realize <laughs> it ain't going to change for long. If God heals you today, you're still going to die. And probably things aren't going to work right in the future. Now, I'm not saying don't pray about stuff. I hope you hear me right. But there's something about us that's like, I don't know what it is. Even in the Christian community that we think we're going to escape death somehow. We're going to die. The only escape we're going to have is if Jesus comes back. God's word says that. We'll read that in a second. But I want you to know that sometimes we go through stuff and as we view it as so hard and difficult and asking God to change things, it's the very thing we need to go through because God's doing something. So when I was uh, just starting out in the ministry and um, my wife's cousin, very first person I ever dealt with, and this his name is John. He's in heaven today, 36 years old, had brain cancer. And uh, he was dying. He was already past all the chemo. They quit all that stuff, and they had put him in a home. Uh, at that time, um, they didn't have, like, a hospice care. He, he was in a um, senior home. They just had a wing that they put him in. And uh, I didn't know John, but I heard about him, and they had given him 10 months to live, and I think it was about 11 months into that death sentence that I heard that he was in the hospital, in the nursing home, and I went to visit him. So, like, remember, I'm, like, just started in the ministry. I had done my father-in-law's funeral. He was the first funeral I ever did, uh, meeting many of my wife's family. None of them are believers. And I went to visit John there in the nursing home, and when I walked in and introduced him myself, he told me he knew who I was because he had been at my father-in-law's funeral, but I didn't recognize him. The smell of death was in the room. He was emaciated. He was a mess. He had been through radiation. It had leaked on his hands. He had open wounds on his hands, open wounds on his head. He was like uh, immovable in the bed. And uh, just, you know, if you've ever been with someone, you understand. And as I walked into that room and uh, began to talk with John about God and why I was there and all those kinds of things, God had... Uh, allowed me to walk with John down this journey. And after some time, uh, John opened up his heart and asked Jesus into his heart. And uh, it's an amazing thing when you're there and that person's going to leave this world and he realizes that he needs the Savior and he says yes to him. I was able to baptize him by sprinkling in his, in his deathbed and we walked that journey. I don't even remember how long it was, three, four, or five months we were able to go. And I would go three to five days a week to go visit him in that nursing home, talking with him about the scriptures, sharing Jesus and different things about God, him talking to me. And church, I want you to hear me because this is so important for you, for me, for us. The day I walked in the room and John looked at me and he said, Dave, I thank God that I have cancer. If I didn't have cancer, I would have never come to him. Now, I'll tell you what, I stood there listening to that, and I was like, blow my mind, because I'm looking at this guy that reeks of death, has been suffering with bed sores, he's got open wounds from all that stuff that's been going on, and he said, I thank God. I could have been killed in an accident, I could have had a heart attack, I could have lived my whole life, and I didn't care about God, nor did I want to know him. I thank God that I had cancer. Ah, you talk about faith, church, that's awesome. I left that, that room and that day and the days that would follow until we did his funeral and he graduated to be with Jesus and he said, Dave, one of these days you and I are going to take a walk together and I know we will. <laughs> but God taught me so much in those few months with this guy who didn't even acknowledge God who went through this suffering and torture and was hurting. Sometimes he couldn't even talk with me because of the pain that he was in. And to say, thank you, God. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I have no right to ever complain to you about anything. 
you are God and you've got me in a place where you want me to be. And therefore, if I trust you, no matter what it is, no matter what I face, I trust you. And I know that you will carry me through. And so church, sometimes we, even in the Christian community, will view things and think like, why is it like that? Or why doesn't God do something different? Why is this not changed? You have no idea. Because the very things that we see as wrong, God sees as mercy. I have seen cancer be merciful because you see there is an eternity in front of every one of us. This life is a moment. Whether we live a hundred years on this planet or not, it is a blip in the real picture of eternity. Therefore, whatever you and I need to go through, I tell God all the time, whatever it takes, strike me today, I don't care. I want to be with you. Whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I've prayed that prayer over my kids, my family, all of us. God, whatever it takes. And therefore, when stuff happens, I'm not like, oh, God, change it. No, I'm not going to ask him to change it. If that's what it's needed, so be it. We need him, whatever it takes. You see, when we're in the moment, we're like, I don't get it, God. Why is this happening? He's like, you don't have to know right now. You'll understand. You will. Do you trust him when you don't get it? See, that's true faith. (laughs) Listen to James. You already know I love the book of James. You spend some time there, you'll fall in love with it as well. People talk about not understanding the Bible. Read James. Easy to understand. Here you go. You ready? When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. (laughs) Church, you know what that just said to us? There are many more opportunities in the future for us. (laughs) What are those opportunities? The very things that cause us to have our faith tested, to face the reality of our life and our death to know that there are real issues in this world that we're going to have to face, but we're going to have to face them trusting God. Therefore, whatever you're going through in the moment is an opportunity. So let it grow. None of us have arrived. That's why we're still going through stuff. You're not perfect and needing nothing. You're not complete, neither am I. So God's like, come on, I'm going to give you another opportunity. Are you looking forward to it? It's going to be an earthquake, raging seas, fire, water, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, God. If we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we experience that personal earthquake, that crisis, that moment of truth, this is an opportunity, an opportunity for our faith to grow an opportunity to learn greater reliance upon God, an opportunity to realize I'm not in control, an opportunity for others to see God at work in my life. That's why James said, look, it's an opportunity for great joy. What does that mean? Church, if it's a major crisis, if you are facing a major crisis, God obviously has great confidence in your faith and relationship with him. Can't you celebrate that? It's like, wow, God, you really trust me. (laughs) That makes me happy that you trust me this much. That's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Rather than like, well, poor me. God, you're not doing anything for me. You must not like me. No, of course, he loves you. He's creating an opportunity for you to know him and to experience the joy that comes in our heart when we trust God and know that he's going to carry us through. So we translate that word and we look into the Greek. The the, the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic uh, language. And so when we translate that into English and we think of joy, all of us think of the fiesta stuff, right? Like, oh, hey, everybody, I've got cancer. Let's have a fiesta. You know, that's not what the Bible's saying. Like, let's not have a party because we've been diagnosed with cancer. What he's saying is in the word of God, it's like, hey, can you just like trust God in the moment and allow him to bring you joy in the moment, to know that your life is more than this. So that word, when you look into the Greek and understand what it means, 
that word is meaning a calm assurance, cheerfulness. That's what it means. So consider the challenges that come to your face, joy. So like, would we calmly face it? Remember how Jesus is like, don't be afraid. Where's your faith? So this opportunity we have is to calmly face what's there and have that peace that only God can bring to us that brings a smile of assurance across our face. God's there. He's got us. He has led us to this moment. If God has led us through this moment, we're going through it. Whether it's by healing, whether it's through suffering, whether it's through death, God's got us. He's going to bring us through the moment. All we got to do is trust him. He's amazing. <laughs> okay. So really, nothing should rock our faith. I'm saying the world's going to rock us. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. And we're going to have emotions. God didn't say once you get saved, you lose your emotions. They're real. We don't let our emotions lead us. We let the Holy Spirit lead us. We can have emotions and experience them. And I like that. I want to have emotions. Uh, I don't like all of them, but I got to deal with it. It's part of who I am. But if I stop and I trust God and let him lead and not my emotions, things will be a lot better for me. Okay, let's look at the plain teaching of our lives as revealed in God's word, talking to us, church. God gives us this completely clear picture of reality. And that picture of reality should encourage us. And let's see what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. You ready? Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. I'm like, I want to own that one. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, God, that's me. Don't ever let me die. And uh, Lord, I don't really want to break down to the point of almost dying. Like, come on back. I'm ready. All right, here you go. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Amen. Isn't that awesome? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into the bodies that will never die. Amen. You do know your body's dying, right? Y'all know that? When we're under 30, we don't have that reality. When you start hitting those decade moments, you're reminded regularly, you're dying, you're dying, you're dying, right? And give me an amen. All right, anyway, so let's look at what the Word of God says here. For our dying bodies must be transformed into the bodies that will never die. That's the promise of our hope of our future, man. God is giving us an undying body, an unbroken body, a whole body. It's going to come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, it's not going to look like this one. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? Never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Okay, so God's giving us a glimpse of our future. You ready for this? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. You're amazing. So, my dear brothers and sisters, we keep reading. Be strong and immovable. Yeah, when you just plant your feet right where you are in the midst of that earthquake, when the waters are right here, he says, just be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Man, is he awesome. We have victory over sin and death because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. If that doesn't give us hope in the moment, in the future, as we look at things around us in this world, man, nothing will. Let's embrace what God is doing for us, standing fast in our faith, knowing we have hope in a hopeless world. We have faith to carry us through whatever we face. 
It's your first action step, and I'm going to have two action steps in a verse. You ready? Are you a born-again Christian following the Lord Jesus Christ and being spirit-led in your life? Are you? If you are, say yes. yes. If you're not, make today the day. He loves you. He has called you to this moment. He wants you to know that whatever crisis you're in, he knows all about you. And he has not abandoned you. He's right there, and he's calling you to step into faith and know he is your Lord and Savior. Okay, church, here's the next one. How is your faith in your current earthquake? How is it? Facing a crisis? Are you afraid? Have you been shaken? Have you been complaining? Have you been worried? Are you trying to fix it? Or are you standing immovable, just trusting God in this moment? Even in the raging seas, even if the mountain's collapsing in front of you and you see the dust and it's all around you, do you trust him? He's got you. Listen, I have a, this is like such a cool verse. It's in Romans 16 and it's verse 20. And what I, I want to give this to you, all of us, to help us as we see the garbage that's going on around us in the world. Listen to what God says through his word to me and you. Listen, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Hallelujah, man. Yeah, I love it. It's like he thinks he's so powerful in this world and he's working all of his evil schemes and all the darkness that's around us. That dude's days are numbered, man. And God promises us that he's going to crush him under our feet. We're going to walk all over him. God is amazing, isn't he? This God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Isn't that awesome? Stand with me, church. The, the altar's always open. You know that. Even as we were singing the song, Come Now, the altar's open. Whatever your need is, whatever's going on. Maybe you've been confused with some earthquakes that are going on around you and in your life. Whatever. God's calling. He's right here. Are you ready? Will you meet him? He loves you. And he's available right here, right now. Come on, church. Let's come to him. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for Jesus. We are humbled, God, by you. <laughs> Lord, we know that <laughs> the earth is quaking. It is. Our nation is in an earthquake. We need you, God pray that people would be stirred in their soul in the depths of their hearts to come to you Lord for you are calling let your people arise God we ask you to allow us to be part of the movement that you have planned the calling of people to repent and know you God allow us to serve you in that capacity for your glory for your purpose for your kingdom we pray in Jesus name amen God bless you, church. Thanks for being here today. Have an amazing day with them. Yes, thank you, Lord.